All right, and we are checking back in once again for another episode of the 2BD podcast with your host as always, 2BD. And once again, we got another special guest on the podcast, Mr. Ben Miller. Thank you for being here, Ben. Peace. Thanks for having me. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, Yeah, just to jump right into it, we always ask two questions of each guest we have on the podcast. The first question, is, as always, is going to be, Ben, what is it that you wanted to do when you were a kid? Hmm. I think um, when I was a kid, I remember really loving dinosaurs and uh, I would always like turn the rocks over and look underneath and I always thought that was cool. So maybe that's like an archaeologist and look, look, dig up dinosaur bones. I think that was what I was into when I was a kid. Okay. How far <laughs> along did you get into this archaeology? Uh, I don't know. Maybe when I was younger, went on some field trips and, you know, had some books about it, but I, I never really went went too far on that path. Didn't find too many dinosaurs. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't find any. Yeah. Um, and then secondly, as always, what is it that you do now, Ben? I'm a chef and a grower um, and a collaborator in, in various aspects and you know, maybe consider some some things artistic too. Maybe maybe in in some in some perspective, I'm an artist. Hmm. Yeah, and that's also you know you said you're a chef, you're a grower. Grower kind of kind of fits into the the archaeology a little bit. You're still you know getting down to the down to the ground and getting in with the soil. So similar, some some day. Yeah, I mean, it, I, it's yeah. that kind of trajectory, right? Like finding out where things come from. Right, you know, right. I, I, I started off in the kitchen and, you know, then go back to the source and, you know, go back to the seeds. Mm. But yeah, Ben, thank you for being here on the podcast. Um, you mentioned you're a chef and a grower, and that's kind of what I wanted to explore with talking to you, some of the work that you're doing that, the amazing work that you're doing over at the people's garden and the people's kitchen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm honored. Um, you know, I, 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 I appreciate, uh, what you do as well. And, you know, I got to check out some of your, your content and your films and, you know, definitely honored and happy to be a part of it. Most definitely appreciate that. Appreciate that. So, um, yeah, I guess I would ask what made you, you said you're a chef now, but we've also spoken before uh, that you used to work at a restaurant, a different restaurant. What is it that made you transition out of the you know original trajectory of working at a restaurant as a chef and and a more financially stable situation to now decide to start a community garden and all this is essentially for the people? And it's 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 a completely different trajectory. What kind of made you switch up into into that space? Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like I, I feel like, you know, I've had the the, the spiritual foundation of like I want to I want to do service with my with my life, you know, for a long time. But also I had to I had to jump in to become a tradesperson. I had to learn a craft, you know, so that I was able to, you know, have um something that I would be able to create with. Um, so yeah, I mean, I spent about 15 years in the restaurant industry, um, working my way up from, from the bottom, um, and learning from, you know, a lot of folks, um, in the industry who, who, you know, became mentors and I learned through experiences along the way. Um, and, you know, I always had this kind of, 
I pension in my heart for for justice and for unity and you know for you know kind of a harmonious world and um, I've, I always had tried to express that ethos through um, my work you know at my previous restaurant I would I would hold things that were you know political or artistic or community based um, but it was still ultimately uh, you know a, a regular sort of functioning restaurant that you know just did a little bit extra. Um, but when the pandemic hit, you know, I felt like we, you know, was really in a position to kind of go forward on some of that other vision of, um, of service. And, you know, we were in the, we were in that position that, you know, we had a space, we had a network of chefs, um, and, you know, we were, you know, we, we had the capabilities of, of producing a lot of meals and we had contacts and, you know, we were, we had outreach. And so it was like perfect timing. So the pandemic kind of opened up the the pathway for me that I was able to walk through that door into, you know, a, a little different career and uh, got into something I really enjoy doing, which is, you know, cooking good food with good ingredients with, with, a you know, a, a whole bunch of people and, you know, making it for free and trying to figure out how to, how to make those kind of models sustainable, because I feel like, you know, we want to have a, a healthy city and a safe city and, food is so important for us on a daily basis. You know, this is our source of energy. Um, it, you know, goes into our bloodstream. It affects our, our vibrational energy and our thoughts. And, you know, um, you know, if we can get good food to everybody, regardless of if they can, you know, afford a, a good meal or not, um, then I think people will be on, on the whole, you know, um, you know, it, it with 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 more of a opportunity to to prosper because you need that kind of energy you need that kind of mental clarity that good food can bring and you know and i also just working my way navigating through the the hallways of the restaurant industry seeing that there was a lot of exclusivism you know there was pretentiousness there was uh, a separation between um the haves and the have-nots of, of who can eat the good vegetables and who can eat the the fine dining techniques and all that kind of stuff and you know, for what it's worth, you know, like the the best restaurants in the world, you know, the the developing really beautiful dishes and, and things like that. But those, you know, and, and those experiences can, can inspire you and, you know, um, but w w where are those um, experiences for people who don't have that money? So um, if, if those things are just so life-changing and life-giving, then, you know, then that should be all-inclusive and uh, you know, that's, so th that was my opportunity, you know, uh, so just jumped into the, the free meal sort of thing. And, you know, there was, I had a lot of, a lot of folks around me who were into the same thing and we were all kind of driven by the same vision and, you know, we just dug into it together. And, um, you know, there was, there was that funding available at that time for kind of COVID response that restaurants were able to, you know, um, produce meals and, you know, pay their overhead costs and things like that. And, and I just stayed with it after that. Mm. Um, yeah. What you were describing as far as, you know, working in some other restaurants and whatnot, I think is, is really important, especially just, you know, the, the whole aspect of serving, um, is, is yeah. a service. And when you have a kitchen where you have a restaurant where you're, um, exchanging food for customers whether they're paying top dollar or or not 
not top dollar um it, it's still a service and it's like it's an intimate relationship that you have with the customers and the people that you're serving and so i think it's it's really important to those types of sentiments of um those types of sentiments to be able to function in a kitchen in an atmosphere where it's it's understanding that this is a service to people it's not it's not about being pretentious. It's not about making the most exquisite and hard to, to access meal all the time. Right. And, you know, and just kind of um, mo- moving from a, a place of selfishness to a place of selflessness, you know, um, and, and that, you know, giving can really be kind of something that's very so nourishing to the giver as well. And I feel like in, in the kitchen that I'm working now, um, have the ability to really expand my creativity because, um, you know, I don't have to sell to a food critic. I don't have to make the same menu every night and sell to the same regular customers. You know, um, we're getting food from around the city, from, from urban farms, from, um, purveyors, from, you know, uh, food pantries, you know, we're getting ingredients donated and we have to use our creativity to, you know, put something together. That's, um, that's, really delicious and you know that that's engaging and that's good you know uh for for the for the folks who are in the kitchen with us and um so for me it's it's uh it's a it's more exciting you know um i I can take more chances and more risks and experiment with things and Mm -hmm. somebody's always going to try that and ultimately as a cook um you know more so than money the the best kind of thing that i can get as a cook is someone to eat my food and then so I can see the reaction and they can smile and they can tell me that that, that food was nourishing and, you know, that that hit right there at the right spot. And, you know, thank you. And, you know, why why should I care if it's if it's a banker or a CEO or, you know, or, or a, a, a family on the street that that needs the food? You know, it's like it's this change from person to person. And, you know, we're um, so it it's really the. Um, it's, it's, that's, that's the feeling that I'm going for when I'm cooking. I want somebody to eat it and I want it to nourish people. So, you know, we, we can achieve that and we can, you know, have creativity and we can do all these good things at the same time. So I don't see what's the point of, you know, running after the, the old model it, because it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's missing a couple, a couple points, you know, it's, it, it's a little hollow in some points that I found. Um, and, and as much as you try to do good within those systems and frameworks, um, you're ultimately driven by the dollar and, you know, to be free of that is, um, you know, is, you know, it's, that's the goal. I think not to say that we don't have costs. Um, and then we do have to somehow generate income and generate, uh, you know, find donors and find grants and things like that to do this kind of work. But I feel like, you know, I think the work is worthwhile and, you know, we want to, we want to try to go off on this path so that we can, figure out how to create these sort of models and so that they can become more common. Um, and then we can see free restaurants popping up in all kinds of neighborhoods because we finally figured out the key, how to do it, how to make it autonomous, how to make it community driven. Um, I don't think we're, we're all the way there yet, but you know, it feels like a, 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 a worthy journey, you know, of our, of our time. And um, you know, uh, there's, there's precedence of, of food, being used to organize people and, you know, uh, nourish communities. And um, so th- there's a lot of examples and, you know, really it just is inspiring and, and continually refreshing um, 
to see the impact that this kind of stuff has on on people um you know whether it be in the in the kitchen or out here in the gardens mm. and and cooking with you know different different recipes different vegetables different types of of preparing food that brings out at the end of the day that brings out you know the talent in the chefs and the preppers and all that because you have the ability to say hey we can take these gardens we got from over here and these over here and we can we can turn it into something that's that's the boundary pushing mm -hmm. it's lovely you know we we've you know since we started with the, the the kitchen has always been very diverse and you know for me it's really exciting to just see how the different chefs from different backgrounds approach the same ingredients you know you might have a chef from malaysia or from haiti or from india uh, you know, and they're gonna they're gonna cook rice a little bit differently. They're gonna they're gonna prepare the the potatoes a little bit differently and season them up a little bit differently. So it's been really a joy for me, and I've I've also learned a lot just by being around so many chefs and seeing their different approaches and you know their process of creativity. Um, it's it's been really fun and and educational. It's it's been a really enriching experience and, and continues to be. Hmm. Now, speaking on some of the the educational aspect and like for me learning about you know the whole farm to table like grow from the garden to now bring to the restaurant i think is a is a beautiful relationship that um you guys have with with the food that you prepare could you talk a little bit about kind of like how you gather supplies and determine what you what you need to kind of keep the two in cohesion sure um i think i think one of the one of the strengths of our kitchen, uh, we have a, a an, an expert of fermentation and preservation, uh, which is this uh, chef named April McGregor. She's coming in and been able to process things in bulk um, through lacto fermentation, through preserving, pickling, fermentation, jam making. So you know, I might be able to go up there during mulberry season and shake the mulberry tree out. But then she's able to process those mulberries into a jam that's that we're going to be able to utilize for the next few months, you know, making everything from cookies to pop tarts to, you know, parfaits and, you know, have some really fun stuff. So, like, uh, we kind of grow in abundance and then we harvest at the peak of ripeness and then we're able to extend the life of the vegetables or the fruits um, through different culinary techniques. So that's a lot of fun. Um, and and of course, like you know, when it's when it's tomato season, you know, tomatoes are going in the dishes fresh, you know, um, um, and you know the all, all the different stages of growth of the plants. That's been really fun for me too. Um, I you know, I was uh, yesterday cook, cooking some dinner, and I was cooking a I was cooking the head of the sunflower, and I took the seeds off of the sunflower head, and you know, we can just put those right in 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 a, a pot of dirt and you know just just so that we can have the sunflower sprouts so that we can cut the sunflower sprouts and you know put them back into a salad and it's just fun it's like you know there's there's so many different directions that you could go with with the vegetables and and the food and and using the the different parts of the plant and um you know i'm always thinking also just about the medicinal and nutritional aspects of the stuff um and it, it's really it's really fun i mean i as far as education, I'm the main student over here and I'm learning every year, you know, with so many people and even with nature, nature is really, 
nature's my teacher, you know, like I'm, um, I've, I've had many years now, you know, many seasons with the corn and every year I'm just learning deep lessons about life just by observing the corn and by being a caretaker of the corn. Um, and yeah, I'm just like, you know, and it's, it's also just something that's, it's good for my mental health. It's good for quieting me down and slowing me down and, you know, getting me outside and, um, just observing the beauty in nature and observing the mystery in nature. Um, it's, it's, it's a blessing to be able to, to, to be working with vegetables. We, during the pandemic, we saw a lot, a lot of folks kind of go back into gardens and they have the time. And, um, so there was this resurgence of it. And, you know, there was a lot of folks who were coming out here and helping us and, um, moving dirt with us and planting and watering and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's a great place to, to gather around the community. And, you know, of course, like, you know, what we're harvesting and, and what we're cooking, you know, I try to inform the things that we grow um, in, in this area in Southwest Philly by really what the neighbors most wanted. Um, and, you know, when I'm asking the neighbors what they want us to grow, um, you know, I'm hearing okra, I'm hearing uh, tomatoes, chilies, watermelon, I'm hearing sweet potato greens. These are kind of some of the, the main things that we're growing out here um, and that people really enjoy. And so it's also fun for me to be able to harvest some stuff for some people. And then, you know, maybe I'll get a knock on my door um, the next day and somebody will drop off some some greens that they prepared that they picked and they wanted me to try. And it's like, wow, that's, yeah, that's just good energy, you know. Um, and it's like uh, that's that's what it's all about. Um, it's, it's, it's a really fulfilling kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was going to ask you. What's sort of been like the the response and the impact in in the neighborhood to the garden, especially having the garden uh, stretch over different lots? Um, yeah. Yeah. What's been the impact? I mean, it really blows my mind. Like I, 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 I could tell you all kind of amazing experiences that I've had just by um, by neighbors just come in people that i wouldn't know that that are stopping by then we're out here and just telling us how the how the gardens affected them and how how they you know they love to see the the flowers out here and how they're thankful that you know we're we're putting this love into the land out here um you know i've i've talked to people who have, you know who, who are older who told me you know that that they used to sell drugs on this corner and now they're seeing like this beautiful garden out here and, you know, they want to participate and, you know, they, it, it gives them a sense of calm and peace. Um, you know, we, we see, we, we talk to elders who are just so happy that, you know, it reminds them of, you know, where they grew up and, you know, where, you know, growing fresh vegetables and, um, you know, to, to see the kids playing around in the fields and going to pick a watermelon and, you know, sharing it with them and cutting it open and, you know, sharing stuff with my neighbors. It's like, it's a really, really beautiful experience that, you know, it's even hard to put into words, but it's like, it's, it's definitely um, some kind of special energy that, that keeps this stuff going. There's like some kind of protection out here of, of what's going on. And, um, you know, things, things keep, keep moving forward. Um, the community supports it. Um, and, you know, that's, that's the main thing. So that's why we really want to continue to try to build this and, um, 
you can try to try to even you know do more out here so that we can you know hopefully provide more um, opportunities um, for education or employment for folks and you know um, access to good food you know it's uh it's it's needed and it's it's appreciated and um yeah it it you know i really feel welcomed up here i really feel you know at home in this community and uh yeah just i wouldn't trade it for anything mm. and like that's that's such a beautiful thing to hear because you know with the hamster wheel that you know the system keeps us on uh in terms of having to go from one thing to the next to go to work, pay bills, do all these things. It's like, it removes us from these sort of experiences of like community of just picking your head up and seeing all these, these, these fresh vegetables in the garden around you. And it's like inner interacting with people in that way is something that if it's like almost, if we don't pay enough attention to our daily lives, we can get sucked out of that and, and, removed from the things that essentially make us human for sure um you know it's uh it's been a really cool experience as well like just being in the kitchen and you know running a running the kitchen and having a group full of volunteers in there that are you know very educated successful professional people that are still looking for ways to you know be creative get in the kitchen meet new people give back to the community so like to have this kind of thing going on, it's like also a platform that people from all walks of life are able to just engage in in that aspect of service, which I think is just like a very human thing. Um, so it's just like you you really get the best the best out of people, you know, the, the, the best sides of people, you know, when they're coming and participating in this kind of work. Mm. Um, now, how many people would you say kind of help you with the the operations as as far as maintaining the the garden regularly? The garden, um, well, it it kind of ebbs and flows. I mean, um, some you know some people do have you know regular jobs, whether it be you know working at a university or working at this and that campaign or you know uh, like a regular jobs, and so you know some. So sometimes people are, are able to come through and sometimes other people are able to come through. Um, you know, so there's, there's just like kind of a small group that is, is, you know, continually coming out here. And then, you know, there's always new people. Um, it's fun to, to work with people who are out here for the first time or, you know, want to check it out. This might not be an area that they have ever come to before. And, you know, to kind of come up and then turn down this back street and see, you know, this hoop house and this big garden, it's kind of just like really fun showing people how to tap into the hydrants and water the gardens. And, um, it's, uh, it's a small, it's a small group, but also, you know, if you're strategic and you just work on one thing at a time, you can get a lot done. We're also just learning more efficient ways of working. Um, you know, today an arborist came and he just dropped off a dump truck of, um, uh, wood chips and you know where we were you know working in the morning with, with machetes and clearing out this big area uh with all the weeds and you know he came you know at nine in the morning dumped the wood chips and then we just spread the wood chips over everything that we cleared you know during the first year we didn't know about this kind of thing and you know we would have to go rent the truck and then go buy wood chips and then bring it back and unload it with a shovel it's like so 
we're able to kind of cut down on our labor by just increasing our, our knowledge and our systems and our, you know, and so it just makes everything a little bit more easier to do, you know, even with less labor. Um, and, you know, also just stuff like perennials, stuff like strawberries and asparagus and apple trees, you know, those kind of things are, are producing year after year. So, you know, once you set it up, then it's just, you know, it's, it's good, you know, for, for a while. And so like those things also kind of just make everything, happen a little bit easier so it's um you know trying to find an easier way to do things and trying to you know not break our backs and 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 sweat too much on the stuff you know I'm, I'm really inspired by you know some of the natural farmers um like Mansur Fukuoka you know who's like really observing nature and letting nature do its thing and just sort of helping it along a little bit you know I um I mean why should I pick this you know, dandelion or this lamb's quarter or this purslane and throw it in the, as a way as a weed when this is a perfectly edible plant, you know? So it's like, Mm. so so some things can look a little bit like a, a little bit wild and overgrown, but you know, if you know what these things are and you know how to utilize them, um, it's, it's not, and you know, you have to use less labor and you have more food. Um, so it's a different approach. It's not so much like a, a squared off cookie cutter sort of garden, but, um, you know, it, it, it's functional for sure. Um, and, and it's fun. And, um, that's, that's been the approach, you know, um, but we're always also reassessing everything and seeing like, what's the most engaging approach for the community and what's the most accessible thing, because ultimately it's not here to be an experimental growing space. It's here to be, you know, space that everybody can enjoy. So always just trying to continue to think through what we're doing and, and what kind of impact it's having. For example, you know, I'm really into corn. I love corn and very interested in different North American varieties of corn, dent corn, flower corns, popcorns. And so, like, I want to grow these different kinds of corns that are, like, you know, challenging to grow and, and a lot of fun and really beautiful. But when you go and pick these kinds of corns, you can't throw it on the grill. These are the kinds of corns that you have to nixtamalize or, you know, cook as grits or cook as a cornmeal. And really I think what people want the most is to go pick into your corn and throw it on the grill, you know, and that's, that's what I'm hearing as much. So it just, it, maybe this isn't the space for me to experiment with these kinds of corn and I can do that somewhere else And over here. It should be sweet corn. So it, it's just really sort of put in the, the priorities of the community and the interest that, that the people have around here um, first, because these are the people that we want to engage in the farms and, you know, to come and, and feel free to pick stuff and feel, feel that it's theirs. Um, so that's, that's always kind of aligning our approach. Mm, paying attention to, to what's around you. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that power of observation, you know, we're using it in the garden, but also in our community. Um, now, if you don't mind me asking, what are your, or where do you see the plans to kind of uh, keep the, the garden in community hands it's it's so often that you know we hear stories like the people's garden or just spaces that are um strung together to to fit a community need and especially in this city it it's almost like a matter of time before development before uh those hands step in and and access um that resource yeah yeah that's a it's a really good um point and definitely something that's always um you know on on our mind um 
you know, I think particularly because my background is in food and, you know, being able to throw some large events, we're looking at um, using events and food as a, as a strategy, as an organizing tool um, to, you know, raise, uh, raise the, uh, we'll bring the people together so that we can get the attention of the elected officials and the administration and say, Hey, like, we don't need all just development. We need to protect these green spaces. Um, you know, so advocating through, through that sort of activism, through doing, um, you know, events and, and working, uh, with, uh, um, with, with a coalition of folks to do that sort of stuff. And then also, um, you know, working directly with some of the folks who are doing the, the organizing on the ground um, who, who, to protect these lots. And that's like, um, you know, Councilmember Kendra Brooks's office has, has been working really hard with a lot of the growers this um, over the last year or two um, to, you know, identify some of the community gardens um, and then work with the U.S. bank liens and, and try to secure those lots so that they stay in community hands. And then on the other tip, um, I definitely think that, um, you know, if we are to, to be able to become the stewards and, you know, get the, the, the opportunity to, to, to have sovereignty out here, then it would make much more sense um, that it's community owned. So, uh, you know, I think my next interest inquiry uh in in research would be about you know how community land trusts have formed and seeing how you know this could become generational wealth for the folks around here you know not just something that is just um benefiting a nonprofit, but something that's really benefiting the community so that's that's how my that's how i'm thinking um but again we're not at a finished stage we're like in a in a state of motion so all these things are you know, sort of just trying to learn and prepare ourselves and connect ourselves with with other folks who are in the same struggle, and then you know be able to react when when different things happen. Um, for instance, last year, you know, a couple of our lots went up for sheriff sale, and we were able to raise uh, a GoFundMe very quickly. That and we were able to hold, you know, hold the the sheriff sales off. Um, you know, also through working with Councilmember Brooks's office and. Um, so it's it's like a constant, you know, vigilance um, to protect them. And, you know, there's there's some models in the city, you know, who have been doing this for a decade and, and more and, you know, are also just great examples of, uh, you know, that 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 resiliency. They've gone through those same kind of struggles as they're just up and starting. So, you know, we're just like the, the young, we're just like the new the new uh, guerrilla gardeners on the block. And, you know, we're we just have to learn from the folks who came before us as well. Mm. That, um, like you were saying that, that, uh, constant vigilance, um, is, is the key, especially, um, with gardens and, you know, because you're up against an entity that has the resources, has the time mm. to, to wait you out and wait until wait, when you're in season or when you're out of season to strike at the right moment, it's, it's a matter of staying vigilant and understanding mm. that, you know, those numbers, um, connecting with neighbors and everyone mm. in the community makes it so that, you know, there's, there's strength in numbers, of course. 
Yeah, you know, and within our community and then within the communities across the city and then also just with folks who are doing similar work in other cities, I think, you know, there is a, a camaraderie, you know, among growers who are working in these kind of environments and that we share similar struggles and we know that we need each other's support. Um, and, you know, the, the more that we can show that we have a solidarity, you know, that's that's a power as well. Mm. Um, now. I haven't been able to to make it to the people's kitchen thus far, but um, I see that you guys are open throughout the week um, daily. Are there are there any plans to kind of you know evolve what the kitchen does into like a a full scale resource or like what's what's the the overarching um, goal? Yeah, it's uh, a good question, and yeah, I mean the space is a lot of fun. It's got a lot of art in there. You know we. Have, have a lot of artists and friends who have contributed to you know painting and making stuff to to make that space nice and you know it's kind of like you walk into it and it's like just racks of ingredients racks of spices the chef comes in and see you know what protein we have for the day what vegetables are in house and then starts starts to take directions and um then execute a, a dish for the day um and uh yeah, we we have been doing seven days a week, um, but ultimately, economically, uh, um, it wasn't as sustainable for us just because it, it does cost money, you know, to put out the meals and, you know, to pay staff and all this kind of stuff. And unfortunately, you know, we're not the best funded organization in the city. Um, I'll, I would love to do, you know, breakfast, lunch and dinner seven days a week, but it's just, you know, not financially feasible if you're just scrapping by, you know, um, working with, with volunteers and donated ingredients. You know, we would love for, you know, that blessing of that, you know, big check or something like that and able to, you know, realize all of our dreams and visions with, with you know, feeding people. Um, but, uh, you know, we have to do what we can do. And so, you know, we you know, especially in the summertime when, when a lot of folks are traveling and things are hot and things like that, we've dialed it back, you know, a little bit. Um, so the kitchen is, you know, is in use during the week. We're putting out meals. We're putting things in the, in the free pantry in the 24 hour fridge that's outside. Um, and, you know, we're also opening the space to other groups. You know, there's a group called food, not bombs that comes in a couple times a week and cooks and, um, you know, other, other folks who are able to kind of do, do some other sort of work in the kitchen. Um, you know, we did some cooking classes last week and I was able to generate a little income for the space. And, uh, sometimes we do some catering, um, that's a, able to generate some income and help pay the rent and things like that. So we're, you know, we're, we're, you know, doing as much as we can, but also not trying to burn ourselves out with it. Um, you know, as we, hopefully you know can get some better financial stability you know we can do more um i think the goal also is to do something out here in southwest with a kitchen and open up a kitchen out here um directly that will be able to feed folks in 19142 and in, in this cops creek area um and just sort of figure out how this model can work so that we can we can just continue, you know, building these kinds of kitchens around the city. Mm. Love to hear that. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I feel also like when you're talking about growth and impact, 
it's not necessarily about making more meals. You know, sometimes it might be about making less meals, but like being more intentional, having more impact with the folks that you're cooking for or with the people that you're cooking with. So it, it on paper, it might, it might not always look like, you know, it's growing. It might look like it's, it's, um, it's decreasing, but maybe what you're doing is more meaningful. So um, I, I think it's, it, it, that's hard to explain sometimes to, uh, to a, a foundation or a funder, but I, I think that's, that's the kind of um, thing that we have to be guided by. Like we want to be as intentional and, and respect our own uh, well-being as, as, as possible. And, mm. and try to just make it sustainable. Mm. It's like living under the system of, of capitalism kind of teaches you that uh, mm-hmm. to value quantity over mm-hmm. quality. Um, yep. Run, 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 go, go, more, more. You know, it's like people come up here sometimes, sometimes, you know, someone will come up here and see like, oh, there's so many vacant lots up here. Like you can, you can take over a lot more. It's like, that's just like, you know, that kind of colonizer mentality, you know, it's like, we don't need to just grow more. We just need to do what we're doing and, you know, like make, make what we're doing sharper, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like we, we are, we do have that ingrained, uh, you know, m- you know, sense for, for growth and expansion. And, you know, like the, the funders want to know, like, how, how will you, how will you grow in your output in the next year and, and this and that? And it's like, you know, how can I, I get more out of this investment of. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's, that's not the, not the only way that we can look at the world, you know? So, yeah, I guess I would also ask um, during, you know, times like these, and as we get into the fall and winter seasons, what, what does the maintenance, um, kind of become at the at the people's garden what does that look like over those seasons yeah we uh worked uh this past week um chopping down some of our summer crops and you know we we reshaped it a little bit you know um like i was saying we, we really thinking about engaging folks here in the space more so like i had a bunch of straight rows and that was the most vegetables that we could pack into that space but we we opened it up. We put some more, you know, curved lines and some more design into it. And we, you know, made a little space with a little like, you know, bamboo arbor with a bench on it. And so in like the new beds that we created, you know, we, um, we put some of the brassica seeds. So like, you know, collards and kale, um, cabbage, spinach. Um, and we, we had harvested all of our seeds from the previous year, um, crops. And so it's, you know, it's kind of fun. We just mixed them all together and then just seeded them in these beds um, and then just, you know, been watering them. And so we were just down there checking them out. We have like little sprouts coming up. So then we'll kind of thin them out and like the spaces that needed more, you know, we can transplant over there and kind of have that all filled out for, for the fall and into the winter, um, you know, and then in, in the winter, it's like planning, talking to people, ordering seeds, having a little bit of rest and just getting things started in the greenhouse as well. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's interesting just to hear about, you know, the, the different crops in, in different seasons, just having, not having uh, been through the seasons as a grower and, and all that just kind of learning 
the difference between summer crops and fall crops and and the different seasons that some vegetables um, are better suited towards than others. For sure. I mean, the, the cold weather, you know, is going to make something like a, a cabbage actually sweeter, you know, because when it gets cold, you know, it, it the, 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 the sugars push up into the, into the fruit. And so it's like when you harvest it, you know, when it, in the cold weather, it's like actually tastes better. Um, and, you know, so yeah, some things need the hot hum- summer sun. So we just try to learn and plant things at the right time and, you know, just yeah, try to continually learn it from the previous year and just from other sources. And that's why having that, that network and, you know, learning from what other people are doing as well. It's just really important. There's just a lot of information out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, growing is a science as well. And it's, and it's an intuitive science as well. So we, we just have to stay connected to it. Hmm. Um, I know you answered a little bit of this in terms of like, securing the the future of the garden but um what do you see for the the future of the garden as someone who's been there from the beginning where do you think this will go well i you know i i feel like you know the everything on this material plane is impermanent anyway and you know we might be growing vegetables on land that doesn't belong to us um but we're getting use out of it for this moment. You know, it's nourishing us in this moment. If, if, uh, if somebody were to come tomorrow and be like, yo, this is like my lot and we're going to build something there. It would, it would, you know, take me a half a day to move some of this dirt and to, to put it somewhere else. But I think like the whole act of bringing the dirt and putting the seeds down and just watching it grow is, is something that's real beneficial. So I just encourage other folks to just do it and just to, to, to see that vacant lot of land that's next to the house and, you know, just, just start growing there. You don't have to necessarily need to have permanence, you know, nothing, nothing in the life is permanent, you know, but we're just getting this enjoyment out of the moment. Um, We're getting exercise. We're connecting with our neighbors. We're nourishing ourselves and yeah, if we can, if we can hang on to it, then it's, then it's better, you know, but also just like, don't be, I can't be, you know, too attached to that, that result. You know, we're, we're obviously working in that direction, but also just receiving joy from this moment. Hmm. Thank you so much, Ben, for being here on the podcast with me. I appreciate you sharing, uh, sharing your story, the story of the people and the people's garden. Thank you very much for having me. You know, I appreciate the work that you're doing and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, you, you know, you're, you, you, you're talking to folks and, and bringing out these kind of issues, uh, you know, as an independent journalist, um, and really, really getting into some, some interesting things. So I, I, you know, look forward to following your work and, you know, learning more from, from, from the different, uh, conversations that you're bringing up as well. So, you know, thanks for making me a part of it. Thank you. Um, is there is there anywhere where listeners can kind of follow what's going on with the garden, with the kitchen, what you guys have going on over the next couple of months? And yeah, general? for sure. Um, we're at People's Kitchen Philly on Instagram, and our website is peopleskitchenphilly.com. Awesome. And for yeah. everyone listening, this has been another episode of the 2BD podcast 
what comes next, as always, is to be determined. Peace.